say to you, Lord God, my Redeemer, my Rock. Amen. I wonder how you found that. It wasn't long. I think it may have been a minute, maybe. Um, I imagine some people um, were, were listening to me clicking my bell and Maybe some people were just nothing and others enjoyed it. Some of you really didn't like it. Um, maybe some, some demons. I know it's a strong word to use, but maybe some, something quite monstrous visited your minds. <coughs> um, but it's, it's an important thing. What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Is that because when you were born, the midwife spoke a word of prophecy? It was influential in your mind? Dylan Barry is not even here. <laughs> My son. We're so distracted. Douglas had something good to say there. I couldn't hear him. Um, so distracted by noise. I say it again. Our teenagers, our young people are born into this noise. Much more than Nav, Nevin and Val were. Who were born into the north of England in a rural setting Maybe. Born into noise, born into confusion, born into distraction, born into a 24-hour ceaseless hum even. One of the things I remember about lockdown early doors when me and Otto and Eden and Matt were out filming is we didn't have to go very far to escape the hum of the A9. It's because it wasn't there. When lockdown started to ease and the A9 started to be busy, we had to retreat further and further and further into Kinnaird Forest. Deep into Kinnaird Forest. Just to get rid of that background hum. Today, we are continuing, and I don't know how long we're going to go, in, go on in this. We are continuing to look at spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines. Because ultimately, I am very interested in this. Who are we becoming? Douglas had hopes and dreams about what he would become. There was no guarantees in that. But at a certain time, his focus was on the medicine and studying and achieving his dreams or his calling, whatever it may have been. I'm very interested to know who we are becoming, who I am becoming. Last night, I met... Friends that I've not seen for many years who were pastors in Stirling when we were there. And they're in the States. And, and I just wanted them to see who I had become. Because when I was a youth pastor in Stirling Baptist, I broke many a window, metaphorically. I just did. Scott actually, this American pastor, spoke to me about the first time he met me. And I preached with a view at, at Stirling. And he came up and introduced himself as a pastor, he was a regional pastor of the Southern Baptist, and he had three children in the church. 
And, and I started to speak, and I think I spoke for two minutes, and at the end he said something like, I did not pick up a word of that. <laughs> and that's all good and well, and that's all to do with speech and learning how to publicly speak. But I wanted to, Scott to see how I changed and developed, who I am becoming. And if I could say to myself as a young pastor, in 2002 I think it was when, when Stirling Baptist ordained me, called me, ordained me as, as a pastor, I wish I could say to that self back there, stop rushing. Stop trying to be all things for all people. Develop habits in your life that will see you become more like Christ. I was used to quiet times, because that seems to be something that evangelicals push all the time. You must have your quiet times, and that's a good thing. But I was not used, neither was I uh, discipled in the habit of fasting. Certainly, I was a pastor, and I was certainly not discipled in the habit of Sabbath-keeping as something as worship to the Lord, not Sabbatarianism, but Sabbath-keeping. You've heard me speak recently of my endeavour to parent my phone rather than my phone parenting me, because inspired by my eldest son, who takes digital Sabbaths, I'm trying to do that as well. And I moan and groan about to some of the guys in here, but put your phone away, put your phone away. I wish I could say back to that young pastor, David, focus in on these habits which will see you hear God all the more clearly, have more peace in your heart, and become like Jesus more. Because you're entering into an occupation where there's so many expectations in you. You are a perfectionist in spirit, and you want to please everyone and do everything. And you're creative, and before you know it, you'll be out every single night of the week. Justifying it as being ministry. Justifying it as being worship to the Lord. I wish I could go back and say, slow down. Stop. Escape. And today, I want that thought to be always in our minds because I'm not going to do expository preaching on a passage. I'm going to speak about a subject and the subject of silence and solitude. We do little bits of silence in this church. Don't know how much we do in solitude. And that doesn't mean loneliness away from people. It means much something much different. So today, that's what I'm going to... That, that is my aim. I'm going to look at silence. I'm going to look at solitude. And it's all uh, with this thought in mind of who we are becoming. What is the formation of our character? What is the formation of... Are we becoming more like Jesus? And will silence and solitude in our daily and weekly lives help that? Some of you are extroverts and find that very difficult. Some of you are introverts and love nothing more. Just want to unpack that a little bit and hopefully my doofer will work. Andrew, can you put the first slide up there, please? Bible and silence and solitude. You will know these scriptures. Ecclesiastes 
There is a time for everything. There is a time for silence. Someone spoke out earlier on Psalm 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. These are not suggestions. I would suggest they are deep encouragements, if not commandments. There's a time for everything. There's a time for silence. So be still with the purpose of knowing God. Get that? Be still with the purpose of knowing in, a, in, in, in the midst of all of the hum of life that God is who he is and we can draw near to him and know him. I think that the discipline of silence and solitude in the life of Jesus and his disciples is undeniable. Jesus made a habit of withdrawing from everyone and anyone into those periods of silence and solitude. Sometimes he was in the midst of great ministry and he just takes himself away to hills to lonely places, to high mountains, to wilderness, even to the Garden of Gethsemane. He took the disciples with him and says, wait here while I go. And he went and fell at the Father's knees on his own in silence away from everyone and prayed from the depth of his heart to the Lord. And look for, we see Jesus at the beginning of his public ministry by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness, into a place of silence, a place where it was him and the Lord for those days before that huge and incredible ministry. Before Jesus chose the 12 apostles, didn't cast lots, he withdrew and prayed to the one who he knew had the answers. And then you have Matthew 14, 13, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been uh, beheaded, that John the Baptist was dead, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And I can only imagine that Jesus grieved. Didn't find comfort in the crowds or in those who were closest to him or to his mother. He found comfort that his cousin had died in the way he died. And I believe he would have recalled scripture because he was very aware of John's placing in this great last day's events. And therefore he was very aware through scripture and through that, those intimate times with the Father of what was ahead. Matthew 14, 23, after feeding the 5,000, after that incredible ministry moment, he went up a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone. Maybe he was charging his batteries. Maybe he knew that he'd given as much as he could. Maybe he knew that people would desire more and more and more. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that he withdrew from people frequently, often. When we read in Luke chapter 5, it says explicitly there in Scripture, for us, as an example, I would say, 
that Jesus withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. Might we become more like Jesus? And that's what this Christ-likeness, that's what this this little Christ, this Christian, this Christianity thing is all about. Becoming like Jesus. May we become more like him if we plan in our days, in our weeks, in our years, like the ancients used to pray. It's a time for praying. Rising early in the day to be alone with God, even in, in, in the night time. Gathering your thoughts and all the actions and all the pressures of the day and being still and silent to breathe and to think and to ponder and to rest it all in the Almighty's hands. And the other seasons of the church where times to step back, may we become more like Jesus if we escape from the hum and the buzz and the activity and the fun and the success and the business and the family just to be Not being alone for being alone's sake. Not being alone to say that aren't we good? Look at us. We have regular times of fasting and of Sabbath and of meditation in God's word and of Sabbath and silence and solitude. Nothing like that, but to actually draw near to God, to be still and know, to know intimately as Eve and Adam knew one another, that we would know God. Just not of him, but experience him. And the silence and the stillness as we go through sickness and illness, as it stalks our very door, may we draw near to God, who's got big shoulders and lay before him and be still before the one and true living God. Of course, the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude are about abstaining from certain things from normal things maybe from normal desires some things that might be good for us but we see there being a greater need silence being to abstain from speaking to listen to be quiet solitude meaning to be alone to turn away from human interaction and an external stimuli May that be something that we could consider. No churches can really plan this into your church calendar. We can do a little bit of that. But it takes you and me to be interested enough in who we are becoming. We've not missed the boat. We're not too old in the tooth that we can't incorporate such things into our life. With the desired results that we know God intimately. And in that face-to-face time with him, to become like him. Blaise Pascal, who was a thinker, I believe a scientist as well, in Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy, says this about silence. I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men and women arises from one single fact, that they are unable to stay quietly in their own room. 
So I, 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 I'm a little bit like this. If I need some time off, I will escape to Netflix. I'm not alone in that. It's that because, and maybe it is because I'm not used to just sitting silently, to stopping, which some people might see as unproductive and a waste of time. And yet if it was good enough for Jesus, surely it's good enough for us. Am I uncomfortable with who I am in the silence when there's no external stimuli? Does dread come? I, I can only imagine as I think about what I am like in those times. Isaiah 30 and verse 15. In quietness and trust is your strength. Actually, if you read it more, it's a rebuke because that was not what they were like. God says, but that is not you. His desire that it is that we are silent. There is strength there because we are comfortable that Jesus has demonstrated God's love. He has lavished his love on us, not because we are great, but because he is. We're in a culture that conditions us to be comfortable with noise and very uneasy with silence. I really only had the bottle to keep us silent for a minute or two. I think if I had went on to three minutes, someone would have coughed. They'd been holding that cough back for ages. Someone would have shuffled. If I had went on, and I think my pastor Edwin Gunn did this years ago, if memory serves me right, he sat down for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, for a long time, says nothing to the congregation. I can't recall why, I'll need to ask him, and he's probably forgotten if, if I'm honest about that as well. Because we are quite uneasy, even in this time. We've only got an hour, we need to get it done quickly. Miranda said to me, as I showed her some of my notes last night, you've got too much. Yeah, that's a great quote, but take it out. Yeah, why don't you spread it over two weeks, she said to me, and I said, I can't. Why not? We've got an addiction to noise. Silence is rare as lives are always filled with the background noise. Because we think if there's silence, nothing's happening. And don't we always want to be where the action is? I certainly do. I'll admit that. I want to be where the action is. And my good times, that's where God's spirit is and if, if I'm not good and my motives are contrary to what God would have me do, then that's, I just want to be where this action is fun and I'll repent afterwards. In silence we close our soul, we close it off from words, we close it off from music, we close it off from noise, and the reason I would encourage us, I can't police this, I can only police it in my own life. The reason that I would encourage us to seek silence is the same reason that Jesus did it. To be able to listen, and in that listening, to be able to hear God. Quite often we say, I believe the Lord saying this to me, 
And if we're really honest, it's a hunch. At times I've heard people say to me, we believe that the Lord is telling us to leave the church for this reason. And if I'm honest, in the hardness of my heart, I've secretly thought, isn't it interesting that God conveniently speaks to you at a time when it serves you, and yet I've sat with you many times and you didn't know what God was saying to you. My judgmental hardness of heart, I would admit that. But these disciplines, these practices, this formation is so that we could know God intimately as Adam and Eve knew one another. To actually discipline ourselves to be able to listen and then in that listening to hear. Silence strips us naked of everything that the world would like to clothe us in is a blanket between us and the Almighty. Austin Phelps, in a, a book called Spiritual Disciplines, said this, and he was a, a 19th century pastor. He says, it has been said that no great work in literature or in science has ever wrought by a man or woman who did not love solitude we may lay it down as an elemental principle of religion that no large growth in holiness was ever gained by one who did not take time to be often long alone with God. But when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Possibly true to say some people, and I should have asked my children this who are involved in that whole creative world, but some people do create in the midst of great groups. I think most great pieces of art and music or most lessons and certainly most sermons or presentations or report are done away from people where you can think where there's no distraction where there is time. I often struggled with my children who would study with music in their ears. Do you know about that? Have you ever done that? I think it's a lot of rubbish. How can you study a piece of lesson, listen to Justin Bieber or something like that? I, just, I, I always fought with my kids over that one and I never won, if I'm perfectly honest. I think to create to do something that is good and, and is, is, is worth the time and the effort requires you to spend time away from people, away from distractions, to be free so that our connection with God is not hindered. And the practice of solitude, being alone with God, who loves us, and can I add this in as well, who likes us, Again, it's a double whammy, double whammy. God loves us and likes us. The practice of solitude helps so much in us becoming like Jesus if we would just give that time to him. This is a challenge to me. I will sit down on a Monday prompted by someone very close to me 
to look at my week's diary, to see if I've put time aside for people, for preparation, and time for myself. Because I love, I get stimulation with being with people. I love just showing up to be with people and to chat. I absolutely adore it if those people are non-believers. I love being amongst the parents and toddlers. And I invite anyone who's never been to toddlers here on the Wednesday, touch base with me first of all so we've not got an influx, but to come along and just see what community is. A community exists in this building every Wednesday that is rich. And many of them may not confess Jesus, but it's rich and I believe Jesus is in the midst of that. And I experienced that community on a Friday with St. Johnston. And I love it. And I get a lot of stimulation from that. But I know I also have to have time for exercise, time for eating, time for family, time to read, time to be quiet. And Miranda helps me organise my life in that way. Otherwise, my natural default position would just be, that needs to be done, that needs to be done, that needs to be done. And I get to Thursday evening and I'm about to down my tools and I'm so burdened because I've forgotten things. And up until a number of months ago, that would bleed into my days off on Friday and Saturday. It doesn't do that anymore because I've taken that decision to parent my phone to not answer anything. Because I'm being formed, hopefully, in the likeness of Jesus. Now, I get many more things but I'm going to go on and say, here's some practical benefits. I'm just going to read them and maybe say one or two things before we finish. I I would suggest that silence and solitude breaks, sorry, the power of hurry. Just that we can then have an inner peace to slow down. We can never be as fast as we would want to be. So if we just decide to stop, even though we've got a huge entry of things to do, or to-do list, or demands in our life, plan to stop. Now, three years ago, my ministry mentor went to the core team of the deacons at the time and said to them, or asked them, but it was a kind of a rhetorical question. They said, guys, I would say give David a month off just now, otherwise he'll have to take six months off because my life was all over the place. I was shot. Maybe we need to slow down. I believe it helps us to renew our soul. Francis de Sale in the 15th century said this, there is no clock, no matter how good it may be, that doesn't need resetting and rewinding twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. In addition, at least once a year, it must be taken apart to remove the dirt clogging it, straighten out bent parts and repair those worn out. In like manner, every morning and evening, a man or woman who really takes care of his heart, must rewind it for God's service. Moreover, he or she must often reflect on his condition in order to reform and improve it. Finally, at least once a year, he must take it apart 
Examine every piece in detail. That is every affection, every passion in order to repair whatever defects there may be. If it's good enough for a clock to keep time, surely it's good for us. Silence and solitude reminds us that life goes on without us. I'll leave that at that. It helps us make wise decisions as Jesus did with Drew to pray, Father, who should the twelve be? And isn't it? He knew he chose Judith. Father, who should the twelve be? It makes just to come away. What should I do? It creates inner peace for us to hear the voice of God. I've spoken a lot about that. And allows us to disconnect with the world and connect with our souls. Our will, our world, is not forming us in such a way that is good for our souls. Therefore, we need to withdraw from whatever that is. I need to, I'm going to, all in the first person here, I need to withdraw from that which is trying to form me in a way that is contrary to the calling in my life to follow Jesus. Pick up your cross and follow me, he says. And then he goes on to say, abide in me. Be still and know that I am God. I am for you and not against you. I have great plans for you that would blow your mind that's where I am at and I will continue to be and I don't know for how long in this call to discipleship to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ to tear up the compartmentalization I have in my life but to bring everything together and in that being disciplined and allowing times of silence and solitude to be a part of my life. Let's pray. Lord, with many words, with too many words, present that which I think you've laid in my heart. That which is of you, I pray that it would cling to us. That which is not of you, fall away as dust. confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Saviour. We confess that in this community that Jesus is Lord. And by your grace and your mercy, may we be conformed to his likeness by the power of your Holy Spirit for your glory and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.